Ultimate Fool Scope, a podcast designed to analyze the games that we love, headlines of music, and the movies we can't forget. I'm Bill Swenson Burns, I'm a kind of Varsity Bob Morris, Packer Nation. How's it going, man? You are here. Always low, always low. <laughs> going good, man. I'm excited uh, about getting into this. There's some good topics, as always. A lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff, lot of stuff going on. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, we have a lot of topics to get into for this one. Obviously, some NFL, college football, NBA. I'm also going to do some album album reviews in this. In the second half, we're going to do a review of the killer. But start off with the Broncos upset of the Bills on Monday night. Denver won 24 to 22 on the road, and Will Lutz connected on a 36-yard field goal attempt as time expired. And this was their third straight win. Um, the Bills are on the other hand have dropped four of their last six, and this is really interesting to see the Broncos kind of like you know turn around because at the beginning of the season. They were struggling uh, uh, drastically, but now um, they've been on a run currently. And then on the Bills side, we've been just almost every week disappointed in what they could be. And them, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, th- they also fired their offensive coordinator recently. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about uh, about this game and how it ended? Again, we keep saying this week in, week out, uh, that <laughs> Josh Allen is playing hero ball. Two interceptions. The interceptions that he that he threw was ill-advised throws. He doesn't right. look like he's settled in and he's comfortable with the playbook. It may have been the offensive coordinator. It may have may have been the offensive line, or it may have been the running game that's not existent. James Cook, I will say, had 109 yards on 12 attempts. He had a 42 yard long. Continue to feed him the ball, but yeah. like you said, the Broncos have turned it around a little bit. Wait, yeah, I don't. I don't want to say yeah. all the way around. I don't want to say all the way around. Now all the way around, they they have their high moments, especially when they when they beat us. I was really particularly <laughs> mad about yeah, I was yeah, <laughs> tied it in Kurt Franklin's suit. <laughs> First punch line of the night. <laughs> so just, <laughs> so uh, man, but what I what I like from the Broncos, I think the defense is playing extremely good. Um, they're averaging three sacks now, three, four, three, three to four sacks a game now since uh, beating us. Oh, oh God, I keep saying that it just, just makes me just want to, you know, choke something. Uh- <laughs> uh, <remember>. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, too soon, too, too soon, too, too, too soon. But yeah, man. Think, I- uh, now I'm having that that image of him, which is going viral. That close up. <laughs> just remind me of a uh, uh, baby boy, little yeah. Jody, little Jody. Uh, but no, the defense is playing good. Russell is still not playing lights out. Obviously, he's in the tail end of his career. I think he's has two 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 more years of being a starting quarterback, and then he's going to um, going to. Uh, eventually just be a, a backup second string. But no, the yeah. defense is playing really good. I think that's the key of it. And the keeping them in close games, all of Russell in the offense has to do is field goals or try to get – because, I mean, in the red zone, the Broncos are top 30. They're, they're, they're number 30 in the league, which is terrible for them. But their defense is starting to, to bring it on. I think that's the difference maker. But the Bills, we see this game in the game out. Josh Allen is not looking like Josh Allen. And he's continuing to play hero ball, still trying to throw ill-advised throws. He's still trying to to force things instead of letting the game come to him. Just be natural. Just, yeah. And it's not – We don't need a BBL. We don't need a BBL. We don't need a BBL interlude. <laughs> For all the dogs radio. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and now getting into to the Browns comeback uh, versus the Ravens. Cleveland won 33-31. They rallied from 14 down. Uh, the Browns had edges in rushing 178 to 106 and also time of possession. And it, it seemed like for for the for for a, a point in the game that the that the Ravens were gonna you know uh, run away with it um, and get to another victory, especially uh, you know th- th- with their Thursday night game happening right now against Cincinnati and kind of carry that momentum into it. But the Browns they go on on a on a drastic run. Obviously, the the news of Deshaun Watson being out for the season is 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 a big blow a uh, big blow for them. But what did you think about this win for for Cleveland and also just kind of some of the issues you saw with the Ravens cl- closing out that game? The issues I saw with the Ravens are just extremely simple. They got beat at their own game, right? And the yeah. Browns had a, the better running game, top position, and that's what the Ravens does with their offense. They're not a, a quick pass, quick, you know, scoring type of offense. They're going to run, run it down your throat. They're going to game manage, and then they're going to take it off the top with a play action or possible with a big run without a – with an either of Lamar Jackson or – or Gus, or they have a plethora of guys to get the ball to. They got right. outplayed by their own game. And then you had two blemishes by Lamar Jackson, which kind of edges out and allows the Browns to get into the ball game and eventually win by two points. But I think that's the, the, the simple takeaway. They got beat at their own game. And then obviously Lamar Jackson has been darn near perfect this season. Oh, and yeah. Had two, yeah, and had two blemishes late in the game and kind of changes the, the, the momentum and it went to the, the the Browns and they capitalized every single time off the two interceptions. So I think that's the – it's a simple plain – I'm not worried about the Ravens. I'm I'm still I'm still high on them. I th- I still think not every team is going to be able to beat them at their own game. And the Browns obviously are a run run first team, especially without Deshaun Watson, even without Nick Chubb. He's out for the season. That's the second person out for the season. But you go get uh, Kareem Hunt. You got these young guys. They're going to run the ball. That's what they want to do. They want to make things easier for the backup quarterback, and that's what they did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 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 that's an interesting thing with. Even just that division, uh, uh, particularly, like, what do you think about kind of the hierarchy? Like, obviously, the, the Baltimore-Cincinnati game, that's going to tell a lot. Um, Cleveland-Pittsburgh, what what team kind of stands out to you? Like, like between Baltimore-Cincinnati, would you say, like, yeah, this is the team I trust the, the most in the AFC North? Ooh, Baltimore-Cincinnati. I think Baltimore. I think Baltimore showed more, showed more even with the, the play angel with, you know, first, I think it was first week or second week, J.K. JK Dobbins went down. But they, yeah. I mean, they steadily have gotten better. Even the game where they had like eight or nine drops, they turned around quick. They got OBJ back. OBJ had a touchdown um, last week, I thought the week before. So they show improvement. Raquan Rock, Smith, I think I'm saying his name correctly. He has improved, I think, working with Ray Lewis and, and, and being able to come from the Bears and be on this team and mm-hmm. be in the defensive mind organization. Yeah, that lineage, I think, helps out. They have proved every single game. I think even with this loss, they're going to make – see the mistakes they've done. They're going to capital, not capitalize, but they're going to adjust, and they're going to be better this week. And, and and that's what I've seen for the Baltimore Ravens, 7-3. They're still in, you know, ahead of their destiny, and I think they are more, um, I think, prime to, to, to be in that playoff run because we always see – Cincinnati come in at the tail land and try to squeak in. But I think this year is a bit different. I think we're looking at a, a different Baltimore Ravens team. And I think that's that's the the, the, the little nuance the mm-hmm. in between the difference between um those two teams. Yeah, two teams, Cincinnati. Yeah. 
absolutely. Um, and now getting to, to the Texans' close win versus Cincinnati. Houston won 30-27. to TJ Stroud led another game-winning game winning drive that set up um, a last-second field goal. And Stroud threw for 356 yards, and this ended ended the uh, Bengals' four-game winning streak. And mm-hmm. going into this game, I mean, this was that was like one of the most interesting games of, of the weekend, obviously, yeah. because I'm not sure if like casual fans have seen Houston as much. And that was kind of a game where people are like, oh, like, Houston actually might be a team that can uh, that can cause some noise, but we we've been talking about it the, the last few weeks that yeah Houston they're on the rise. CJ Stroud is yeah. having one of the most impressive rookie years we've seen in a while. What did that win kind of show you, especially on the road? Because we know how important it is to win on the road, and just you know what they can continue to do going forward. Man, this Houston team is young. They got a, a lot of young guys. They don't really have that many veterans on the or either side. But this team is young, and they have a young head coach. His first year of being a head coach, and we talked about this in D'Amico Ryan's. Everything is going to take a minute. C.J. Stroud had to let the game come to him. We talked about this last week, and him being able to slow it down and put the work in and looking at film, uh, trusting his offensive line and trusting himself, and then the wide receiver core, and that chemistry is going to build week in and week out. This is a slow play for Houston Texans, and now we're seeing into fruition. He had the one interception uh, when I was looking at the game. I was like, "Don't throw it! Don't yeah. throw it!" Yeah, and he threw it. That's that's the the click the click and of being a, yeah, yeah the the being a rookie quarterback and like okay, I'm really good. I think I could fit that in there, but yeah. that's ill advised throw. And instead of he should have checked it down to the guy that was in the middle of the field, but then yeah. he adjusted. And he made the the right reads the next the next series. So. That's right. what I'm seeing for C.J. Stroud. A lot of people saying, is he the best rookie quarterback to ever? I don't think so. I don't think he's the best rookie quarterback to ever <laughs> hold came out. Yeah, hold your horses. But I think he's so smart and people don't give him that credit and how he he's the ability to make the game slow down. And that's with preparation. I think his preparation is different from any other rookie quarterback. And it, it's showing. But, you know, Cincinnati, man, I'm that's why I said I'm, I'm scratching my head because most like – they don't know when to turn it on or off. It's it's yeah. like they're on autopilot someday. And before a game winning streak, we 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 a lot of people counting them out, and then boom, this should have been a this should have been a, a W for them. Just looking on paper, they're a better team than Houston Texans, but the Houston Texans came out and showed that they're willing to take that slow road and play and become better each week and beat teams like Cincinnati. Yeah, man. What what a win, <laughs> and 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 against a team that's been the AFC Championship a couple yeah. of years, so that, that that was a big step up for them. Um, and and now getting to our Eagles uh, Chiefs preview. Obviously, th- this is going to be a major m- Monday night game. Both 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 the top two teams in their respective conferences. Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> he's giving that side. Because <laughs> but, but I mean, look, yeah, yeah. no, but but it's it's going to be really in- interesting to. I mean, there's going to be so many headlines in this matchup, obviously, um, and just kind of like com- the compare and contrast. Because like we've reiterated, both teams are, have not looked like themselves um, the way we're used to seeing it. Obviously, Kansas yeah. City, it's like flip-sided. Their their defense is the main headline because that's the strongest part for them, yeah. more, so, more so of the offense. And then the Eagles, you know, is trying to stay healthy and that, se- and, and that secondary having a lot of weaknesses. To you, what stands out to you the most in this matchup and um, who would you get the edge to? But before I before I get to that, what I was you know making the Facebook because I know they're going to talk about Taylor Swift, I know they're going to talk about Mama Kelsey. It's I in Kansas City, go- right? Yes, bro. Okay, yes, oh, bro. Oh, and yeah, you know she's going to be there. 
You know she's going to be there. He's going to take away from the fundamental of the game. And you know what, Joe Buck and Trey. Joe Buck and Trey. Well, Troy. Uh, you know any Taylor Swift songs? You, you, you know Joe. <laughs> It's they're gonna they're gonna cut to her so many times, bro. Yes, bro. People are like literally before a play happens, before a key play happens, they're just gonna cut to Taylor. And it's like, look, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to watch Taylor Swift no uh, bro. Do, do a celebration with with uh, Patrick Mahomes' wife. Yeah, again and again, bro. It's like week ten, bro. Like <laughs> at this point, this should not be headlines anymore. Their relationship should be waned, bro. Like yeah, I don't know if they're still together. I think this is a. <laughs> A publicity stunt. At so we got to say together now. <laughs> yeah, bro, you got to say together. They they red carpeted this thing out from from week one. Even if yeah. him, you know, so But going back to the original question, and we're not going to let Taylor Swift take away from uh-huh. the full scope podcast. Here we go. So I have, <laughs> I have Philadelphia winning, and this is why I have Philadelphia winning because their offense, even in their not being complete. I think they're their better offense. I do. Okay. I think they have a better running game. I think they have a better wide receiver core. And I think they have a better offensive line. And they have something called the brotherly push that I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to stop until stop. 2050, right? So I think that the offense is better. And I think that defense is going to get to Patrick Mahomes. And we talked about this. I forgot what the guy named who's a Kansas City Chiefs fan that offensive line, yeah, that offensive line is still not steady, and they're going to go against a veteran slash young core that can get after their football, and they showed that with, against Miami Dolphins, right? And I said that is going to win in the trenches, and then we're getting after um, Tua, yeah. Tua Talavaloa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gunshots, <laughs> <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're gonna get after Patrick Mahomes. Patrick loves getting outside of pocket. I don't think he gets away that often. They're gonna, they're gonna rally his, rally his throwing ability and get in his passing lanes. I think that's gonna be the difference. I have Philadelphia winning. I don't know what the score is gonna be, but I have Philadelphia winning. They're gonna come in revenge. You know, it's it's gonna be that motivation. It's, it's definitely gonna be yeah. that motivation there. Um, because man, like I was talking to somebody about a Super Bowl, that was such a, a game good one. for them to take over. Yeah. Like they really did. There, there was that that Jalen Hurts fumble. Um, yeah. The obviously the now this was on them. The the, the holding. Yes. Uh, the, 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 that was on them. Even even the cornerback said, "Yeah, I, that was one on me." But there were just so many like one or two plays. If it goes a different way, Philadelphia wins that. It it was that close. So I think that's one of the one of the good Super Bowls we have in, in a while. Oh yes. In a while, definitely. Um, and, and and now getting to, to our uh, to college football with uh, Michigan's win over uh, over Penn State. Uh, Michigan won twenty four to fifteen, and Blake Corum ran for one hundred forty five yards and two touchdowns. Plus, uh, JJ McCarthy made, made a cute a few key plays. This is obviously your your favorite uh, to, to to win it all. But what did you think about um, this win for Michigan? And, and obviously, um, well, <laughs> every time I talk about the win, I just think about the the coaches. <laughs> speech after man he like acted like it was like the super bowl he's like love these guys man <laughs> <laughs> that man was like bro i got a praise break <laughs> yeah <laughs> not a praise break not a praise break bro that's insane but, but no man yeah i, yeah, I nope 
I, man, when I watched this game back, I didn't get to watch it. I watched the highlights. And then um, and I think the game came on. I watched the first half. Michigan handled them so well. The score doesn't show what Michigan did to those Nitty Lions. And I know people saying, bro, you are biased. I am a Florida Gators fan, okay? Far the same. Far the same. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got Florida State. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ah! oh. But I am a, I've been playing football for a long time, ladies and gentlemen. And when you watch football and you see a team that is a well-oiled machine that is committed, bought in, discipline and have talent on both sides of the football, you're going to notice. Like I always give Alabama their flowers every every single year. Not this year because they're not disciplined. They're not fully committed. They have talent on both. Anywho, but Michigan is that. And that score, 24-15, does not show what they did. They managed that game. They handled the game. They dominated for four quarters. It was just little things that happened that made them, it, it should have been a blowout, but they won it handily. I think they're ready for Ohio State. I think they're ready for the playoffs. I think they're still going to win. That's just me. You heard it here first. You heard it yeah. here first, man. I step away when it's Savon's corner. I step fully away. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you're funny, man. You're so funny. <laughs> All right, I gotta I keep it going. Away. I was <laughs> Credit, but but, but, but now getting into to the Florida State's uh, tight win versus Miami. You know they won twenty seven to twenty, and this is their um their sixteenth straight victory. They're undefeated in ACC play, and, and just like several other times in the season, they've been able to to rally in the second half. And to me, this team hasn't looked the same as from the beginning of the season. There's been a lot more just struggles. They've looked yeah. shaky. Um, you know, I, I put Washington ahead of this team because I really yeah. am been impressed with Michael Penix Jr. He's he's one of those guys. He, you're you're, you're going to see him in that Heisman list. He has yeah. been one of the most consistent quarterbacks. But to you, uh, what what kind of stood out to you in this sort of say Miami game? And just you know what they are kind of struggling with and why they're these these teams they they really should be blowing out. They're barely getting by. I'll, I'll first I'll get to that, but I want to give them the flowers, and I don't do this regularly. Coach Norvell has instilled in his team to not quit and not give up. There's right. so many situations where Florida State have should have lost Clemson, Duke. If the quarterback would never went out, they should have lost to Duke. Uh, Boston College, Miami. There's four teams right there that they should have lost to, but they find a way to win. I, it, and it starts with Jordan Travis, bro. The guy is a twig. And he breaks tackles <laughs> like he's Walter Payton. I don't understand it. It starts with Jordan Travis. If they didn't have Jordan Travis at, at the quarterback at the Helms, I don't think they're that good. Jordan Travis has progressed every single week. Yeah. Even when he wanted to play hero ball in the first game of the season against LSU, he threw that ill-advised interception and then quickly adjusted. I think that kid is a good quarterback, and he's the reason why they're so good. Now... Their defense puts them in situations, and I think that's it's why they come close. The offense is scoring. The Coleman is the one-on-one jump ball is working. The running game with Benton is working. Their defense is not as good as it used to be. 
There's a lot of missing pieces. That secondary gives up a lot of points and a lot of yards. And they average, I think, average probably like 165, 170 yards of passing. And that defense gives up an average of 95, 200 yards a game. So mm. that is where they get close and they get into these battles with these teams because they give up. It's a bend, no break mentality because they don't have that front seven that they used to have and they don't have that secondary. You look at that 2000, 2013 National Championship team, they were stacked. Oh my stacked. Goodness, oh, yes. my goodness. That was defense a lot. <laughs> Everything was stacked. They don't yeah. have that. So the offense has to put up 27, 35, certain amount of points to be able to keep up with it. So. I think that's the difference. But it starts with Jordan Travis, and then that defense puts them in situations where they have to go play shootout football. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, and now getting to, to, most in, to, to our most intriguing Week 12 game, uh, I'm going to go with, with Washington-Oregon State because, you know, Oregon State has been a really physical team this year. Washington is obviously the more talented one, but um, their passing attack has just been clinical all season. And I'm seeing um, – I was reading, reading an article today Excuse about me. Oregon State actually being favored over Washington – um, and, and it's it's a tough it, it, it's historically been a tough game for Washington, but, but I would still give Washington the edge because Michael Penix Jr. That, that passing attack has been j just so elite all season. Yeah. Um, to you, what, what would kind of be your most intriguing Week Twelve game? That's uh, that's interesting that you picked that one. I'm surprised you picked that one. Surprised you picked that one, Washington. But that's yeah, a good that. one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Georgia Tennessee got to stay in SEC. Yeah, got to stay there. Um, I think Tennessee. At, still ranked after I think they can play against um, this Georgia defense. I think that if if he settles down and throws, get sponsored by for other dogs. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> was licking my leg, man. Just 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 licking my leg, man. <laughs> they lost. Okay, here we go. Joe Milton. <laughs> If Joe Milton slows it down and stop trying to force throws, allowing his running ability to open up the passing lanes for him, I think they'll have a chance. Obviously, Georgia has a high-power offense. I am eating a crow because I said the offense is not as good as it used to be, and they're been averaging 30 points a game, Wellington. I have to eat that crow. I'm not going to do it live. But I'll eat it later. Y'all aren't gonna see the foot. Y'all, y'all are not gonna see the footage. No, don't, don't, don't even, don't even ask for it. Yeah, don't even ask for it. It ain't on no dark pages either. But no, I think that's my game. I think that's my game. Man, what's it called? What's been up with us the last couple weeks? I don't know, man. For all the dogs sponsored by Ovio, Man, that sponsorship is different. Yeah, man. When you get that sponsorship, buddy, bro. I'm telling you, man. Um, and, and, and another major headline uh, happened this past Sunday morning. Obviously, Jimbo Fisher um, being being fired from Texas A&M, and um, the move is expected to cost the school more than seventy six million to, to buy out Fisher's deal, which is triple the highest known uh, coaching contract buyout. Um, man, what <laughs> what an amount! First of all, um, yeah. but, but to, to, to you, what did you think about um, the firing? Obviously, it, it's it's been a lot of promise for him going into it when he originally came. And then it's just, it just yeah. hasn't, he hasn't met the expectations as we kind of usually see in these kind of like, you know, high pressured SEC situations. Um, what were some of your takeaways from it? They gave him longer than I thought they were going to. Yep. 
It's Texas football. You don't get that many shots unless you're yeah. a season. They gave him shot after shot. Shot. <laughs> but I think why they, they kept him because of his recruiting class. He was bringing in high-quality recruits every single year. And it just didn't pan out on the football field. And I think one of the reasons him is him being the offensive coordinator. I think he should have gave that position up and hired somebody and just been head coach and just focus on that. I think yeah. with him, his play calling is, it's man, sometimes it's like, Jimbo, why did you call that? Jimbo, you don't have that type of quarterback. Jimbo, run the ball. Jimbo. Jimbo. <laughs> So I think they gave him longer than expected. That's a lot of money for one single single coach and these players. I'm glad they're starting to play these players because yeah. that's crazy. He's not worth not that worth much that. money. You ain't you won one national championship. One. And that was 2013. <laughs> and it didn't go nowhere ever since that. <laughs> so you're not worth that type of money. You're not Nick. You're not. He's not Nick, man. Not Nick, not yeah, he's, he's not that guy. So I, I think they gave him longer time than I expected. And I think it's time for them to move on. Now it gets tricky who they go who's, after. Who's ta- who's ta- yeah, that's what I want to know. Who, who's taking over? Who's taking over? I because think I've seen Dabo swinging the headlines. Dabo's not going nowhere, bro. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> as much Dabble, as Clemson fans are giving him fits where <laughs> – he went Bro. on that rant. He went on that rant about that 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 one guy who's saying, "I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not. I, I'm not pleasing what you guys want, Tyler." <laughs> what he I'm said: <laughs> If Clemson is Clemson stock, you better buy a lot tonight. when they when they beat Notre Dame, I was like, "Okay, never. all right, all right, buddy." But I, whoever they get, they have to be defensive mindset. Have to have a defensive mindset. Their their core has to be defense first, and I think that's what's missing in Texas A and M because the gear they were really really good. They had Von Miller, they had a bunch of other guys, they had a good running game, but the defense was first, and then the offense trickled out. Because a lot of people, we said this last week, a lot of people. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. A lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people is uh. Hey! Like a kid, man. I got to throw him <laughs> out the window. Uh, for all the dogs. Uh, oh, all the that made me laugh. I watched watched the podcast back, bro. I laughed so hard. Every that joke was so funny. Especially that one time where you were like, where you were like, I don't know why I'm doing this with my hand. And I was just like, <laughs> it's, it's OVO. It's OVO. <laughs> You know that you know you know, you know how they do things. Yeah, Man, that, that that song can flow into the, the next song. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Ooh, oh All the dogs, man. Bro, that's hilarious. Oh my goodness, but um, whoever it is, there's a lot of good guys out there. Um, I think they should go. Has to be defensive first. Bring back that intensity. You're in the SEC. It's so bad that I think. I don't know. I think it's Texas A&M who's willing to go to the ACC, or was it another SEC team? I think it was Texas A&M. It was Texas A&M. It's that bad. No, bro. When Texas A&M first came over to the SEC, bro, they made a statement. They made a statement with Mizzou, and they've been good, and now they're in the – so 
whoever has to be has to bring back that defense because that's what SEC was known for. It wasn't known for the high power offense yet. It was known for the defense putting putting people in stretchers. And I think that's what they need to get back to. Definitely. In the left corner, coming from Saginaw, Michigan, you know him for the swipes. <laughs> you know him for punching his teammates. Draymond Green. In the right corner, coming from St. Quentin, France, Rudy Gobert. One, one was preparing to choke the other one. The other one didn't see it coming. Stop WWE. talking like that! <laughs> WWE's back. <laughs> when, you first, when you first saw the clip and then the suspension, man, what, what, what did you think? <laughs> first of all, Clay Thompson is so weak, bro. Oh my goodness! So so weak. That's the first thing I saw Damn. was was that, and and then all of a sudden Draymond like he's been waiting to do this for the past three seasons, and he just puts the buddy in a headlock. And Rudy Gobert is like seven one right or some tall, mm-hmm. and to be able to just keep here and break him down like a old like a tree that's crazy. <laughs> that's wild. That's wild. Oh look a berry. <laughs> And just plucked him down. And Rudy didn't do nothing. He didn't even do anything. I would have been doing this. He didn't do nothing. He just stiff like this. Oh. Oh. I was like, bro, this is wild. And it's in the first quarter, It's in the first quarter. That's the first quarter. That's crazy. Do you agree with with five games? Do you agree with it being five games? For sure. You don't put nobody in the headlock. But I think it was worth it to set the tone. If you want to do that, you might as well push them. That. He does do that. He does set the tone. I, <laughs> I mean, he old now. You know the old guys. They just like yeah, they to toss them out. <laughs> they can't do anything else. Can't run down the court. I, no hate, I hate those guys in the pickup games. You know they can't do anything else, but they're going to rough you up. <laughs> right. Grab your shorts. Hold you. Come oh on, young man. buck. That's all ball, young buck. Nah, bro. <laughs> cannot stand. You're... Your your elbow went in my nostril. What are you talking about, bro? Remember those like short short line games we had, bro? Like some of the older. Men- <laughs> hey, bro, we had a Christian function, bro. <laughs> we had a Christian function. Hey, bro, can you not with the elbow, bro? <laughs> this is not nineteen seventy eight. Damn. Hey, Draymond. Man, I miss, <laughs> man, I miss my dog. <laughs> Yeah, oh, but, five but, games is good. Five games is yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting into to <laughs> kind of Anthony Edwards' uh, ascension and Minnesota's just success so far. Um, the Timberwolves—they're currently eight and eight and three and and third in the West. Um, they, they lost last night to Phoenix, one thirty-three to one eighteen, but have been one of the top-ranked defenses in the league. And for especially for opponent field goal percentage, Anthony Edwards is just looking like one of the best, you know, all-around players. Can score at any rate, but also uh, do the dirty work defensively. Um. What what has kind of stood out to you about this team, and also just you know, Steve Kerr said last um, last summer in uh, in some of the the world the the world tour games that he felt as though Anthony Edwards was going to take that next leap. He's yeah. doing that now, and we're really seeing kind of you know him ascending to like some of the best all around players in, in, in the in the NBA. Yeah, we we talked about this. We talked about him, what we saw. And how he could take over games, his different packages, his different bag, as they love to say in NBA. This is this is fruition. This is him playing his right. position, his role, and now he's becoming the star player. He's he's like 
one seed this season away becoming the star of the of the um uh, I just got some no some you know how you swallow and then oh. and then the spit will go down. I will show okay. <laughs> Bruh, that literally Minnesota to <laughs> Sorry. I got nine one one. If you see me just like <laughs> what's the little thing in front of the store there? Oh, <laughs> if you see me, call that one with, brother. You got the address. Got you. Got you. <laughs> but no, we're seeing Anthony Edwards becoming that star. And the first couple of seasons, he's just been playing that position, that role, until he can become that star. And we've seen that fruition uh, in the world games. But I think that's not even the biggest takeaway. Carl Anthony Towns is playing oh, yes. like a grown man. 21 yeah. points average, I think five, five assists. Two blocks, like he's playing like he's supposed to. And I'm tired of him switching up all his voices. Talk, which one you gonna talk? You gonna talk? I'm tired of your voices, bro. You got like four different voices, and all of them sound feminine. Bro, you, you nine foot six, bro. Why you t- come on, guys? <laughs> you know I called you. You know I called you. Yes, bro. I'm like, bro, this can't be. This. You know I called you. <laughs> You know this can't be his voice, bro. And then he want to get all deep and then, yeah, we need the team. Just uh, we just play good ball. I'm like, bro, I've seen some. That's not how you talk, brother. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. How does he but have not ten different voices. <laughs> but that's in like three minutes of an interview. <laughs> no, for real, three in an interview. I'm like, bro, how many voices you got, bro? And you're laughing, atrocious, <laughs> atrocious. At this point, you're a serial killer. Gotta be, gotta be, man. He got voices in his head. <laughs> um, but, but I like your starting five. First of all, Mike Conley, seasoned vet, oh, Rudy yes. Gobert, and then Carlton Towns is playing good. Jaden McDaniels coming to his own at a small four, and then I think they have a, a decent enough bench. But I think the biggest takeaway is Anthony Edwards becoming that star, and also Carl Anthony Towns is playing like a grown man. I'm like I'm. I'm like, finally, bro. Like, we have that good, the spurts. It's a lot of, like, Jabari Parker. We saw yeah. spurts that he got injured. It's a bunch of names. I'm like, yo, but Carthony Towns is starting to play like a real man, like a real big. And I like mm-hmm. that because he is a versatile and big. He's, got like that, that. he's always had that potential. He's always yeah. had that potential. We always always had that potential. That. And I think being by Rudy Gobert, who is like a, a prototypical big man, right. I think that kind of, you know, he feeds off that and become um, what Rudy Gobert is in the, in the defensive factor. Definitely. Um, and now getting to, to kind of like the the biggest reason for the uh, 76ers strong start. Uh, Philly is currently eight and three and uh, second in the East. Tyrese Maxey has become a, just a rising star that's um, uh, perfect to go alongside Joel Embiid, averaging 28.4 points and 7.06 uh, per game. And this team to me, man, like it's we're really starting to see just all the pieces around Embiid. It's not just Embiid, but the fact that you have a guy like Tyrese wow. Maxey, you know what I mean? That's really like the key to it. Because Embiid has had years where he's put up <clears> numbers, <throat> but it hasn't translated to anything. But when you have a young rising star who's going to get buckets at any point in Tyrese Maxey, that is going to be just such a huge catalyst for them. And I'm and we're really seeing like a, a, a strong unit, cohesive unit, and Nick Nurse yes. is doing a, a great job in leading them. Yes. Um, what is kind of to you been the biggest reason for the Sixers' success? You just said it, Nick Nurse, heck of a coach. 
Hate that they got rid of him after I think once one season prior to them winning yeah. the NBA championship was bonkers to me. James Harden is gone. He's gone. <laughs> There's no more of that. Out no here. more distractions. Add Patrick Beverly, who has that dog mentality, has that I'm this set of fire. This is this is oh, the yeah. type of um of Jeez Louise, bro. The type I'm, of uh mentality or um dang well it's oh, this is, is it, is it uh nature. cohesion? Not cohesion, just like when you bring in there, like what uh Antonio said with with the Raiders about just the but they bring in that'd be like the New York I feel like spark? I'm doing not the like spark. a spark. No, it's not a spark. Oh man, I can't even it's <laughs> what you bring, the nature, the you know how you got the intangibles, the intangibles. No, I feel like we play charades and I'm terrible oh, at this. Geez. You know how you got the um the uh trust the process type, mm-hmm. like bringing that in there because Patrick Bailey's been on winning teams. He's bringing he knows, that like yeah, they didn't have that with Philly, like being yeah. being the aggressors. Bring like I can't remember the word I'm trying to look for. We're gonna move on because I put 30 seconds to a minute for that, and I'm sorry, and I'm not on my my, my full game. But no, adding Patrick Beverly, and I think getting rid of James Harden, getting rid of that distraction. You know, hopefully get rid of the general manager. I think he's a distraction. And then Kelly Oubre Jr., I think is one of the best power forwards in the game. I've been watching for the past couple of years, and I'm really impressed at what he brings to the table. And I don't think Joel and B, again, should be the number one guy. I'm just saying that I'm not a huge fan of Joel and B. I know you are, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm an old school guy, man. Like, get in a paint and bang, bro. He doesn't bang. He don't he does bang. Settle. He, he, he does. He settle. He settles for shots a lot. I see that a lot. He like, don't bang inside the NBA crew. Kills him for that. That he does. Yes, doesn't. Shaq he definitely does. Oh, yeah, oh Shaq my is, Always will. <laughs> I'm an old school guy. Like if you're gonna be number one guy and we're feeding you the rock, bro, you need to bang. You gotta. That's what Jokic does. That's yes. what Jokic does. Oh my goodness, I like Jokic because Jokic yes. do it all. He could bang, he could finish, he could pass. That's what I love about him because he'd be like, you know, I just want the best. And he looks just so like, like it's, yeah, I got yes, yeah, whatever. It's effortless. Like I'm, I'm like, here. bro, <laughs> he should not be playing basketball, bro. He doesn't look. If you walked in a room, just because he told oh, you, like, no, bro, I yeah. know you don't play basketball. What are you? You you sell insurance? <laughs> I know you sell insurance, <laughs> but no, nah, like if. I, and Jokic doesn't even want to be the number one guy. I think that's the difference between the two, bro. Like that's why I like Jokic more than I like Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid is not willing to get in the paint and bang. Jokic is, and eh, digress. But I think you were totally right. It's Nick Nurse, Tyrese Maxey. You know, I'm a huge on point guards, and I think that's the difference. And they don't have any more distractions. They're eight and three. They're looking good. Free play, really free play. You can yes. go in healthy environment. There's no toxicity, and they can just really have a shot to like we said we thought it going going to the season just boston milwaukee those are not you got to yeah. put philly in that conversation too they deserve to be in that, nowhere, that mix right too. yeah right absolutely um and and before we move on it's, it's interesting because the teams that are kind of at the top besides denver in the west um timberwolves are there dallas yeah. is there also okc um when you look at that and then the fact that there's been the teams that we kind of expect to be there like the lakers the Suns, the warriors the Clippers near the bottom of the West right now. Like, what team has kind of been the most disappointing so far of that, like, 
supposed elites here that we kind of thought were going to you know be up there um, to start the season. Just in the West? Yeah, in the West. Oh, we, we, can get, we can get to the East after. We can get to the East after. Oh, well, I mean, Golden State was number one. Phoenix, I think that's the number one in L.A. L.A., Phoenix, and Golden State. LA, the Lakers, I knew was going to be – they're going to start yeah, slow and they're going to build – and then they're going to drop and they're going to go crazy right before the break and after the break and they're going to go to the playoffs. That's the way it always that's the way it always goes with them. You just know how the season's going to go for them. It's weird. It's it's been like that since he's been on the, the team. But I think yeah, Golden State is one I thought was going to be in the top 6. Uh I definitely thought the the Phoenix were going to figure it out, especially with Bradley Bill and all these guys and baby they look good and i think yeah. they haven't transpired into uh what everybody expected from them i think the expectation is higher for them than anybody any other team and then you got the clippers i knew they were weren't going to be i don't i thought it was going to be top 10 i didn't think they were going to be the bottom half of the west and i think half, percentage of that is these guys are getting old and two james harden does not want to feed into the role that they're giving to him Bro, you are a shooting guard. Play shooting guard. You're not a point guard. You don't need the ball in your hands. Go run around. And I and I, I and I, I, I watched a, a couple of clips with uh, Gibbon Arenas and those guys, and we're talking about like, yo, he needs to play too. He's a shooting guard. He don't need the ball in his hands. Be like Steph Curry. Be run around. Get to your spots and shoot. You would I kill think, doing that. You would yeah, kill doing but that. I don't think that's the type of player he is because he's so used to having the ball in his hand and ISO and. And in my eyes, I don't think he could be that player. So why did y'all go get him if y'all know he can't do anything outside of ISO? That's that's what I'm wanting to say. I don't know if you remember, but 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 last year in that Clippers Sun series, the first two games, oh my goodness, the Clippers looked like everything was perfect. Westbrook is doing what he's doing, and Kawhi and Paul George can still flourish, and Kawhi is going to be a menace defensively. They had what every everything everything that they needed. They didn't need to add anything more. But Steve Ballmer's like. Oh, we got to be box office. We got to, we got to outdo the Lakers. I'm like, what are we? <laughs> you know, you're never gonna do. You're never gonna be the the prime team that people want to see in LA. It's always gonna be the Lakers. You're not gonna yes. win that war. You might as well just actually try to win. And, that, and that's the that's the <laughs> hey, unit they that's the yeah. unit they, they had last year. <laughs> like just well, try to win. Please, yes, thank you. You said it again. Just <laughs> try to win. Why are you trying to outshine another team? Just win. You yeah. already got two. Three future Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah, three. Yeah, exactly. Bro, try to win. You could have got supported. Phoenix fits. They were giving Phoenix fits those first two games, and now they're just kind of back to that same. Hey, like your your turn, my turn. Offense. If it was me, Harden would be coming off the bench. Oh yeah, for sure. That's the smartest play. And then if he wants to still be point guard having ball in his hands, you go with the second group and you can take over as how much you want to. But he's coming off the bench. But it's yeah, that's crazy, bro. But those are the three that are like, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, Phoenix is really, really like worrying me at this point. I know it's something eleven games in. It's a that that trio hasn't even been Yeah, no. What have you thought about the end season tournament? What have you thought about the end season tournament? how that's I thought that was weird I thought it was it, weird it, it, I did I was like um because it doesn't go to anything it, it goes the championship is like the second week of December in Vegas so and it's like a, a money incentive or something like that but it doesn't help you in the rank or anything like you just it doesn't help you, know. you win the NBA finals 
what are we, NCAA? What are y'all trying to get more viewership? Like, I didn't understand it. I'm like, yes, these guys are making X amount of money already. I think this is a play to get more views because your, your views have been steadily declining every single year. And people only view it until they get to the NBA Finals or to the playoffs. But I think this is weird because I thought it was weird, bro. And those are casual, like, you know, like for me, I'm the, I'm the like, watch it every, <laughs> every time it's on TV. I, I follow it. I, I follow it a lot. But other people, like the casual fans are like, uh, I'm only going to watch it when it's just like a primetime game or it's something yeah. that's, you know what I mean? Like, that's actually going to get my attention. And the courts are like, super loud those courts and you see like the 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 bright blue it's some people are like i don't even want to look at a court like that for for that long so it, it's it's interesting because the it's if it was something that actually caused you to like okay you have this seed in the playoffs or this and that it would be more interesting but i feel as though the fact that it's just so early in the season and people are like okay what is this actually meaning what is this actually gonna you know cause for it for anything and it's it, people just look at it as like some people look at it as points other people are like hey it's more basketball um but Savon is on the side of hey what's the point <laughs> you talk about low management you talk about players sitting out now there's more basketball but right. there are more injuries yeah so i mean it's, it's weird now you get fined for doing low management but do you give them more tasks on top, it's just, it's just weird. NBA got to choose what they want to do. Definitely. Um, and, and I'll get into our, to our first album review with Chris Brown's Eleven Eleven. Um, in his latest album, you know, you know, he's, he's got a, a really good mix of uh, romantic lyrics, classic slow jam sounds, and also you know, simple yet effective melodies. Um, he, he gives a, a passionate vo- vocal performance as well as we're used to seeing it in his projects. And um, we mentioned last year about the Breezy album. You know, I, I know you were a big fan of that and just kind of everything yeah. you put with it. Um, and, and, and I, and I do like this project. I feel as though he's, um, he's one of the few R and B artists. I think now, nowadays that you kind of like rely on to give you like a lot of good songs on a yeah. lengthy, lengthy project. Cause some, some people will give you R and B artists to give you a lot of, a lot of music, but it doesn't really like match, uh, w- w- what they're kind of putting out. <laughs> Excuse me. What did you think about this album? And, you know, what were some of, some of the, you know, because he always has those songs where it's like, okay, yeah, these were the top ones. And I feel as though like this album was no exception. I think it was solid. I thought, this, I thought it was solid. I think I liked the last project better. But I think it did have some bangers. I've, obviously, they had uh, Meta on here uh, with Best Ever. I, I, I like that track. I love seeing that. I love seeing her get that that look. Yeah, that, that type of look. That was a good track. Sensational was good with DeVito and LeJay. Um there was there was some good tracks. Moonlight. Um, yeah, Moonlight was good. Um, there was a, there was some there were some good tracks on it. Was it was a solid project. I think he's had better projects. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and that that kind of had a, a different concept because I he's think given he's, us so much music, we can yeah, be like, oh, now, this one was yeah, this one was better. You can kind of like you can yeah. spot you know what his best is. Exactly, but I do think it was a solid project. I wish he would get back to like more, more um, concepts. I mean, eleven eleven. This was so loose. Like the concept yeah, was kind of like just whatever, you know. But he's been in the game. He's he's one of the Hall of Famers, man. He's he's definitely oh, one sure. of the RB artists who's been around for decades at this mm-hmm. point, and we've seen him grow grow into the artist he's now, and him going into you know the stuff with Rihanna and kind of losing and. 
how do and you gain it back up and go yeah. yeah and go crazy so his career has been really interesting and i think yeah this project was dope definitely saved a bunch of songs i didn't say the whole project um 20, 20 that's like, the thing 23 that's songs the thing i didn't save I, yeah there, there there are definitely songs i didn't keep but it's a lot of music I'm still listening to. Like Chris, yeah, Chris Brown has that ability. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna revisit a lot of these songs because he knows what he's doing, and he's still one of the best uh, to, to, to ever. Like you said, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, jerseys and the Raptors. Oh, for sure, for sure, definitely the Raptors. And I mean, my catalog with his and Apple Music is so like I'm tired of adding music for him. Like, bro, I still listen. I'm, to I'm it. getting to a point. It's like, hey man, I'm still on your old stuff. Like, right, bro. <laughs> Not even mention your mixtapes, bro. <laughs> like, oh, come on. Goodness, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like the intro? Oh, yes. I like the, the intro. Fire. <laughs> yeah, that's that's different. That's, that's the way to yeah. When, okay, I was like, oh, all right. All right. Okay, Chris. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then like the first seven songs got saved. And then like you got some some, some dance fi- hall. You know. Dance hall, some fillers in there. And then you get some real tracks. And the track you just mentioned, um, what was it called? Shoot. Um, was, we just uh, mentioned it. Um, Moonlight. Oh, yeah. Moonlight. Yeah. So, like, after No One Else by Friday, you got some fillers. And then Moonlight, and I think it kind of, like, gets to um, a good point. And then, like, the last three songs is whatever. I think. Yeah. Just placers at this point. True. Dope project, though. Dope project. Yeah. He's, he's still, yeah. he still can, can, can put out really good music. Um, and I'll get into our next review with Brent Fias is larger than life. Um, in his third album, it's stacked with, you know, talent, especially from the DMV area and storytelling that deals with exes. And he aims to kind of merge old R- R- um, old school R&B vibes with a contemporary twist. Mm-hmm. And obviously his album last year, Wasteland, um, way better. I, I forgot. Yeah, th- that's what I was going to say. Way better. I, I revisit that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it dropped at the right time of the year. Yes. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I just loved the sequencing of that project. This one... It, it, it had some some good tracks here and there, but I just couldn't get I couldn't get past. Sometimes I can get past. Okay, yeah, this album wasn't like your last one, but this one was mm-hmm. just kind of like I'm not going to be listening to this as much as it's right. I already have a project that I want for, wanted from you more, and this one yeah. just didn't didn't meet that. Yeah, I love that you said that Wasteland dropped at a perfect time, which it did. It dropped at a perfect time. This one I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, Somebody it just posted yeah. drop. Yeah. Right, somebody posted on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, Brent drop!" <laughs> and I listened to it, and you know, like you, like this is how I visualize it. Like I'm in the car, but like I'm not fully committed because I didn't put my seatbelt on in this album. Like Wasteland, mm, I'm that's buckled like a, in. That's a good, oh yeah, I'm, I'm with it. The I'm inter- riding the with the interludes, it. the skits. Like, come on, bro. Like that like, one we where talking, in the car. Yes, bro. <laughs> and we talked about the last, like, where she just like killed. I was like, whoa, that went dark really <laughs> fast, bro. I was not expecting that. All right, but it has some crazy songs on Wasteland. This one, it had, it had some, but it wasn't. Was this memorable? It, yeah, it was, was Brent. It was Brent, but it. Like you say, it wasn't memorable. So many features, like literally. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't like the one with Coco. I didn't like that one. I'm not a fan of Coco Jones. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was different. Like it was Brent, but it wasn't what I was expecting. Because if you put out something with, I rather you put out with Sonder than yourself. Because oh, he yeah. hasn't dropped anything with Sonder yet. Because you just gave us a fire album last year. Just. 
come back with Sonder. Yeah, like, go to Sonder. You do another individual thing. We didn't need this. Nah, a lot of people yeah. liked it. Yeah, I I did. That was it cool. saved, but I didn't. I don't listen to it like that. It's like I saved it out of respect because I I'm a fan, but this ain't. This I'm ain't. not running to it. I'm not running to it. Yeah, it, it, it's just not a project I'm, I'm running to. And like you said, the Sonder one, I feel like that would have been a better direction, especially coming up, coming off of Wasteland. Yes. Um, and now get into our next review with, with Frames, uh, Every Cloud as a Silver Lining. Um, in this debut EP, the, the Dutch-based uh, singer, songwriting, just songwriter focused on a soulful journey that explores things of growth, female empowerment, and self-discovery. Um, the title is inspired by, obviously, the proverbial phrase that reminds us even in the darkest moments, there's always a silver lining. Um, and, and I recently just heard her this week um, in a restaurant, and I just... <laughs> just uh, really? Uh, Hit Shazam, and I was like, almost into her whole EP, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is, this is really interesting, and I, and I would like to see what she does next. Um, I, I like the the flow of the EP. Um, I think th- th- I think she has a, a really smooth tone, and it, it's just it's just a matter of time, I think, for her to just find out what she wants to continue to do with her direction. She's still kind of in that middling process of like, I have this great sonic feel, but now like, how do I want to direct the song structure and the songwriting? So yeah. I, that that's what I, I took away from it. I like I like you know what she started off with, and I'm interested to see what she what she's got next. How, how did you kind of feel about this? The same, because I knew what I expected from Neil Soul. Right, you gotta you, you know what you're gonna expect. Some type of format. Neil Soul has a format, uh, and her voice reminds me of some other artists I can't think of. Like it, re- it reminds me of um, shoot. George Smith. She reminds me of George Smith. Yeah, she it's reminds me of Georgia. Song. And it's a couple of the artists that she reminded me. I can't think of right now, but like you said, it's I think when she hones on what she really wants to do within Neo Soul, or if she wants to take go from Neo Soul and just go to R and B, I think there's an avenue for her because her voice I think is translucent. I think it's is versatile that she can be able to do those things. But yeah, I thought this was I thought it was a solid project. Um, I have to give it a couple, a couple. I'll just listen it one time through. I gotta listen to it again. But from first listen, I like her voice. I think it, I think it's has some some. I don't know. I think it's no, actually, she reminds me of other artists, and I think that's a bad thing. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think that's a bad thing. Yeah. You want to sound unique. You definitely want to sound unique in this game because when we have so many people that kind of mirror each other and clone each other, um, like I know I mentioned this guy like a lot, Jack Harlow, he just, he dropped a new song and it literally sounded like he was trying to imitate the model. He just was just trying to do an imitation of the model. And it just, I don't know, man, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Jack, Jack is just, he's just, he's just in that bag where he's just kind of just, just not sounding original. Um, but, but I, I one, one artist that we talked about a lot that we've been asking about gave an update. Um, a few days ago, Cecily on Twitter, she said, uh, wanted to give you an update on music. I actually lost my voice a few months back after getting sick and it hasn't fully come back. So I'm in the process of healing and hope y'all sick beside me in the process. I would say it's at like 85 out of 100 right now. So she, she did say that she, obviously she knows people are wanting that album. Yeah. And they, they like what she's put out, but like what she's put out for the singles, but that's where she's at right now. And, you know, obviously next year she'll probably try to find a right time and like hit, hit it back stronger. Yeah, because with her voice, it's yeah, she's gotta, she's gotta, she gotta have a hundred. Her voice is everything. It's not like one of those things I can like kind of be in. Like, 
I'm wondering though what it would sound like if she made a song with 85% of her voice. Would it give a, a different new pitch or will it harm her voice even more? That's that's yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Cause maybe she can get in a different pitch because her voice is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like, man. <laughs> I just kinda I kinda want it to be a 100 though. Like I want her to take yeah, as much time as possible. Like yeah, it's, true. she's got a great voice. True. But but like true. you said, 85, man, like I'm not sure I understand. Still. The feds watch it, man. <laughs> I mean, hey, feds. <laughs> but I mean, I really do. I really do think, man, like like we said, every single she's dropped, like I, I've never, it's been a while since since an up and coming artist has made me want to hear their album so much. Yeah. And Cecily is just, she's, to me, I don't know. I I, I, I know you've been high on some of her songs, but she's one of those artists. I, I'm definitely, definitely can't wait to see what she does next. Mm-hmm. And, and get better too. And definitely get better too. Help, yeah, help yeah, yeah. Everything. And a concept, I think this concept for the album is going to be even, even better. Oh now yes, that she's recovering from being sick. Definitely. Um, and I'm getting to our next review with Meek Mill and Rick Ross is too good to be true. Um, in this new collab album, you know, it's got the type of production you would expect from a Rick Ross album. Um, you know, content, luxury rapping, and braggadocia that we're accustomed to hearing from both artists at this point. And um, man, I got I got so many so many thoughts for, for this album, bro. Like the guest appearances. <laughs> Did not work for me. No, uh, I don't need French Montana on on any more Absolutely any more not. songs. Um, and, and it just feels like one of those things where, and I'm not going to say all the songs were bad because there were some some songs here and there that I liked. But for a collab album, I was just thinking about like like what was what was it missing for me when I'm when I'm thinking about all the collab albums I like. It's a straight run through. I don't have to. I really don't have to skip a song. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm like both artists are complimenting each other. It's just, it's just a fun listen. Both artists sound like they're having a lot of fun. Not not saying Meek, Meek Mill and Rick Ross didn't have fun, but it didn't. It wasn't an enjoyable listen from start to finish. It was just no. like me, you know, picking which track I liked here and there. Um, to you, how did you feel about this collab album and just you know um, your overall takeaways? Again, these these rappers, these people, I understand you have to have a, a certain lift of song to satisfy. Yeah, like bro, this could have been like a 10 song album. Yeah. But I like their collab. I think their voices mesh well. I think does, yeah. but their music has become redundant because their sound that was really hot and it sounded so outdated. It outdated. Sounds, it sounds so outdated. And I used to be a huge fan of Meek, and I'm definitely I'm still a fan of Rick Ross. Yeah. I still listen to his music. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I think their sound is so outdated, and they're still trying to elude this day and age sound. And that's what why I mean, Lil Wayne said it the best. He was like, "Bro, don't run from it. Don't run from it." And I think with Nas, he's able to rap similar the same way because he has awesome production, and he's an MC. And I can't wait till we do that episode where we talk about MC versus yes. rap. Yeah, so. I think that, that that's the difference. Way he's he's not outdated because he has an excellent producer and he's an MC where his sound and he can make different ways. But y'all talk about the same exact thing, bro. Million Dollar Trap, Above the Law, Fine Law, Star Island, Go to Hell. Hey, talk about <laughs> something new. <laughs> I'm tired of it. And I used to be a huge fan. Don't get me wrong. I think Shaq and Kobe was probably the best song on this album. Just as me, I didn't think there were any other songs that really kind of like, yeah, that French Montana was definitely like, bro, I know y'all cool, but take French off this album, please. (laughs) 
Jeez Louise, dead last like, was come dope. On. Like, 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 come on. Nas had a had a song on Magic Three called Japanese Soul Bar. Give me, give me, give me some. Get, go in a soul bar. Go, go in a soul bar. Do, do something different. <laughs> Yo, stop you, giving me the same raps from 20, 2011. <laughs> no, for real. And I used to like. I saw an interview with DMX. They're asking like, "Do you think Rick Ross is is a lyrical?" He's like, "No, he's not lyrical." How many? How much? How many times he gonna talk about sex and eating food and stuff? Like I was like at the time thinking like, That's "Man, true. DMX hating." No, he's being too honest. He's been completely honest. honest. Like, bro, there's certain things that just can't keep talking about, bro. Like two chains and, and Lil Wayne are dropping a collab album tonight. I can't wait. I don't. I can't wait either. I'm not gonna lie. I can't wait, <laughs> bro. A lot of people slept on this. His, his collab with Kendrick Lamar, that album. People yes. talk about it, bro. That and it's so only ten songs. Dope. I love. Oh, I was God, literally listening to. Lick, bro. Yes, man. Savon's the guy. Savon's the guy. Because I listened to that a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "We never be there." We, we got. We got to the. Oh my head. We got. Oh, I got a headache. We got to next week, bro. There's that's a that's a slept on collab project, so bro. Good. And two change held his own in every song. He did. That was so far. I'm. I'm yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, bro. This um, right here, mm, you could have. Yeah. Um, it. And now against our last review, J-Rock and Absol's uh, Blowfly. I'm in this new single ahead of J-Rock's first album in a, in a few years. Yes, definitely. I've, this song has been re- re- a repeat for me. There's just, you know, hazy production and a mellow feel to it. But J-Rock comes with aggressive and competitive raps throughout. Plus, um, Absol has a dope hook that complements it. Um, I-, I love the fact that J-Rock is coming. Cause I-, I think the last time we had Tyler on, he was he was talking about like, man, I really want to hear another project from, from J-Rock. It's been a while because... Obviously, TDE had the Absol album drop in September and, and Scissors. Yeah. Now people are kind of wanting to see what is JR going to do. And if he's doing this, what I heard off of this song, I'm all for what he has to yeah. up next. Because I think, man, this is everything about the song just checks boxes. It just it, it picks up when it needs to pick up to. It slows down when it needs to slow down to. Just everything worked for me. Yeah, bro. Whoever, who, do you know who produces beat? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure who produced it. Uh, let me see. Cuba Gregory, Herbert Stevens, Shauna Reed, because I don't know who it is. But whoever created this beat, bro, bonkers, man. Bonkers beat. First one it came on. Like that sample is insane. Bro. I love that sample, man. And his voice just glides. I I never knew I wanted an Ab Soul and J-Rock collab so much. Which was necessary. This, this was necessary. definitely because their voices, because J Rock, obviously J Rock voice, and they got Ab so he's more aggressive, slow, slow down voice, and it's just both of them just mesh so good. And that beat, that beat hard, bro. That beat so hard. And if this is like a glimpse, like you said, of what J Rock is doing, bro, we all for it. TD is still alive. Kendrick was a huge part of that label, but they still have some monsters. Abso, oh, yeah. J-Rock. Um, they they are SZA, not out of monsters over there. They Reason, still got some. Reason better, Reason better come back correct, though. Yeah, that, was, that, was that last album, bro, he I better. Don't, I don't go back to it a lot. I don't go back to no, it No, me neither. He better. I still go back to the new beginnings. Yeah, honestly, I'm at new beginnings. <laughs> Man, I haven't left new beginnings, bro. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta come up with something harder. Because <laughs> I, I made that. I was like, he's the new. He's gonna be the new face of TDE. But the album yeah. was not it. 
he didn't wake up. Oh. <laughs> Woke up the dog. <laughs> but um, but no. Before we go to break, though, obviously the there, I mean, there's been so much in headlines for for new music this week. Andre Three Thousand, he's he's coming uh with a new album tonight. It's gonna be way different. Yeah, you didn't know that. No. <laughs> yeah, no, bro. It's I'm surprised you haven't even heard of it. It's it's gonna be. I'm gonna be honest. It's gonna be completely different from what you're expecting. It's an instrumental based album. Oh. Um, you see, it's gonna be playing the flute wind instrument. Oh. But bro, give it a. Just give it, give, give it a shot. <laughs> um, and that's really interesting to, to, to see him coming back from a long oh, journey no. uh, of, of just of that big hiatus. Um, I'm trying to think what else has happened. Drake and J. Cole are going on tour. Yes. Um, Ex- that's going to be super dope. I'm going to the Birmingham one, bro, next year. Gots to go. <laughs> I, I got to go, that. bro. <laughs> bro. Two of my top fives in one room, bro. I gotta go, bro. Excellent, excellent tour tour name, bro. Bigger than I love that. I love that. And that and that and that song and that video was just it goes perfectly with it. That was just oh, they dropped the video. Yes, you check out the the video was like a cinematic song. It, bro. Wait, I got to see his face when he did that that little. I was like, bro, keep going. Yes, come on, bro, keep going. I wish he would have kept going with that flow. But yeah, now I gotta go watch it. Man, bro, do you have any expectations for the? Um, before we close, we re- we really are gonna close out this. But there's so much music dropping tonight. Drake's Drake is dropping a Scary Hours three, which I did not expect tonight. And he said, um, he said he's rapping like the rent the rent is due. So, bro, <laughs> I don't get out of here! I, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. <laughs> you know, I don't have social media right now. But if you, but 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 uh. Man, I, I don't, I don't, listeners, we don't know what to expect. We're going to be back next week. We're going to cover all this stuff, man. Bro, because the last we're, scary we're hours was. Yes, nice. Okay. Uh, bro. He, said he, he said he's rapping like the renters do. So we're going to see in a few hours. And if he's <laughs> actually dropping at, we're not, even, I'm not even going to assume he's going to drop at, at midnight. He might, he's probably going to drop at four in the morning when, when everybody's <laughs> getting ready for work. <laughs> man, it better yeah, be, but, it better be good, bro. Definitely. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting to our view of the killer, and we're joined by a special guest once again, Trent Morales, a good friend of the show. If if you listen to the show, you, you know he's going to be on <laughs> any important movie review. Thank you so much for being on, man. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Good to be here. Yeah, man, absolutely. To start with the overview, this is a 2023 action thriller film directed by David Fincher and a screenplay by Andrew Kevin Walker. It's based on the French graphic novel series The Killer, written by Alexis Nolan. It stars Michael Fassbender, um, Arliss Howard, Charles Parnell, and Tilda Swinton. It's plot follows the assassin who gets embroiled in an international manhood after a hit goes wrong. Also has an 86% rate on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, to start off on this, because obviously this is a film that everybody's talking about. It, it's got a, a lot of attention um, centered on it. Uh, what were kind of your initial thoughts on a film that was, you know, obviously stylish and engaging, but also t- to me, a really good match uh, for, for Michael Fassbender? So, you know, what's funny is that I, um, um, well, here's the deal. Anytime David Fincher's involved with something, I'm, I'm I'm there. I'm getting. Uh, I'm, I've respected his stuff for a long time now. You know, I, I really kind of got into his stuff whenever he did Mindhunter. That was a crazy series. Netflix, bring it back. Y'all should do do do, do right. Give us justice to bring it back. Um, but you know, watched Mindhunter and loved it. 
and you know, he, and a lot of other things I've kind of seen him do as well to like you know, the case, the, the case of Benjamin Button um, seven, um, yeah, just on on him. He's just he's put out some really great films, and definitely films that kind of like follow into this like you know, you know, I had Scorsese and Nolan, all these guys that kind of have their niche and things they really kind of lean on, and Fincher's Fincher's the same way. So uh, whenever I saw that he's doing another movie, I, I, to be clear, I, I didn't even. You know, I, I think I read like maybe like a little blurb about it. It's like I don't want to watch a trailer, nothing. I'm just there. Yeah. Whatever it drops, I'm watching. I'll have to see. I'll have to see a trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm there. So yes, I, I was was re- was really intrigued by it. Um, and I can share this a little more when we get into our like actual review review. But like, was completely like uh, like I guess I went into one idea what I was going to expect, and it was not what I expected it to be at all, and not in a bad way. Yeah. I guess because of like what like seven is, what different movies like that are. It's like, oh, was well, the killer the way you kind of like in you know, a mysterious kind of character Michael Fassbender's playing? It's like, oh, is this going to be like a serial killer thing? It's like, well, it wasn't that at all. General. So, but yeah, but I was super excited for it. Uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm glad that you know Fincher is still kind of like in the game and doing what he's doing, and you know, kind of like just putting on good product. Definitely, um, and. And now getting into kind of our, our first topic from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, I would go with a three because this was, you know, a very suave and cold-blooded type of escapism mm-hmm. film. It still has wit and predictability. Um, finding, to me, finding the balance between story and style was the issue because yeah. the majority of this film I really liked. Um, I think, to me, they didn't land the plane at, on the ending. The ending, to me, felt very, very empty. And I was just kind of like, what did I? What did I just watch? It, it just didn't feel a complete like David Fincher ending that we usually get. Um, but but still an o- overall good film to you from from one to four stars. What, what would you give it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think a three. I, I would say probably depending on kind of how I feel. Like you know, two and a half to three are probably where I land on that. Um, like it, you know, it, it will it will go down as one of the probably the most beautifully stylistically imagined films of oh, the yes. year. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the way it was shot, the way it was kind of presented, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but but yeah, you're right. It's like you know, it 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 felt like it was trying to be John Wick without the body count, you know, yeah. right? And I mean, because I think you know, the character itself of the killer was was an interesting character because like he just very very particular in detail. He, you, I mean, again, similar to John Wick, how you kind of like thrust into his world with no kind of setup or building or anything like that. Yeah. And it's like, dude, this dude is like a legitimate hitman. Like he oh, is yes. like, you know, got <laughs> he's got a whole, you know, like warehouse dedicated. It's like changing out license tags and guns and all that stuff. It's like, this guy is for real. Right. But, but you're right. I think there was a piece of it was just like, it, it just like the ending felt a little too rushed. Like I think it was like, Oh wait, th- this is it. He just like, they didn't ease into it. They just kind of right. like, Oh, like let's just get through it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. David Fincher usually has like a eased process of like, Hey, this is how we're going to bring it together. Cause I'm just, I'm yeah. just spoiled with it with his endings, like seven fight club. I mean, I'm just like, there, there's endings where he's just like, he, he's meeting mm-hmm. the mark, but this yeah. one, it just felt like, let's just rush put the you know give the give the you know it's almost like when you're turning assignment in uh back in college days but where it's not really your best you're just like okay like right. let me just turn it in to get it done that's almost how oh. this ending felt like yeah 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 so yeah at the end of the day so i, I i'm rolling with that two and a half to three um yeah and, and honestly like what what gives it that three for me is gonna be like the 
like just a you know just the different way they kind of shot the film you know how, how dark and moody it is but also like just this like you know the same where in the, so for, for those of you who are listening on podcast i'm pulling my 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 uh, uh ear pods out right now so like if i pull it out it's like oh it's like but, <laughs> yeah but, but, but just this world where like you know you're kind of trapped into his mind and you hear what he's hearing you hear his thoughts but once it cuts outside of him it's just like there's nothing else going on so you just kind of like i was like, oh i'm intrigued because this, i think he's like losing his mind he's losing kind of the the cool that makes him what he is as a killer right um to the point that again kind of the classic trope you know you, yes. you, you mess up on a job they go out to the people that, that you care about the most and then he goes on a revenge tour I, it was basically it, it was like a watered down man on fire that's what it was yes right? that's that's yeah. really what <laughs> i was yeah, trying to a, think about like what is this film like and mm-hmm. i know i've seen this film before but i've seen it done better and yes. I mean, Man on Fire is the perfect, perfect. Yeah, it, 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 it is a watered down Man on Fire. Whereas, like, there's no true. I mean, yeah, I mean, he did sacrifice. I guess, like, I mean, the whole thing of like traveling back and forth and all these different places. But I mean, like, you know, Denzel obviously sacrificed his life for Peta in that movie, yeah. right? And there was a so, human connection with that movie. Yes. Like, you actually, mm-hmm. I think, I think another thing, the lack lack of human connection in this film is just like something that's harder to, to really like mm-hmm. we even talk about john wick i mean like there's a dog i mean <laughs> there's something there there's something there that you can tie into it with this this guy is just like literally just isolated there's yeah, nobody he, he, he's isolated he's i mean and that's why i think whenever i initially kind of like read the blurb for it and saw a little bit like little pictures and kind of even like the promotional for it, the way that it's like huge it's like oh he's a serial killer it's like and even how the movie starts you think that he is a serial killer yeah, he's like he's like he's almost like a prey. I mean, you think he's a prey, watching for like for the person he's going to take out next, right? Yes. And you're like, oh man, this dude's dark. I mean, he's methodical. He's got, you know, watches set, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh no, he's actually just a hitman. So yeah. Um, so yes, it, it definitely it, the, the human, even like the, the piece of like, wait, this dude is married, like. I, I, why? I mean, it doesn't make sense for his character to be even, married, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I mean, it, 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 w- when it mattered the most, it, it did its job. But it was definitely a piece that was like, that was good. I'm probably never going to watch it again. So, but yeah. yeah. It's exa- exact way I felt overall. Um, and mm-hmm. now kind of getting to kind of like what stood out the most in the killer's role. Um, to me, you know, he, he was really good in portraying uh, a madman that was, like, like we said, calculated and appeared to be like any other, other citizen, both skill ahead of the curve. To you, what about the killer's role kind of like stood out the most to you and, and, and some parts that, that impressed you about it? Yeah, yeah, I think it, it, I, I think you kind of just hit the nail on the head. We alluded to it a little bit earlier, just kind of this methodical nature about who he was. And I mean, just, you know, like again, the consistent repeating of the phrases, um, you know, like empathy is your enemy, right? Like right. stick to the plan. I mean, you just you just re- recognize that he is so rigid, and like I guess in following the rules that he knows that if he falls outside of those lines, if he doesn't do what he needs to do, that ultimately he's going to be able he's going to fail at what's oh, yeah. going on, right? So, and I, and I think that you know, um, you know, above all, 
it just it just really kind of speaks to kind of this nature of like oh this was really you know an individual who was beginning to lose their sense of reality and beginning to like you know whether it was being sleep deprived whether it was not eating or whatever and i think it just like the consistent like having to keep up with the different personas that he had which was funny. I so many not, different ones. So yeah, many different so, personas. <laughs> uh, so every name he used was the name of a of a TV show character. Like every name he used was a different like character. Oh. So so like he's having like to keep up with every you know like thing that he is doing, and to yeah. the point where it's like he can't even go to sleep on a plane without somebody. Well, be, be more about does somebody recognize me, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, it, it just, I mean, you, you just see a man on the brink of, like, losing his mind and knowing that, hey, at some point, there probably is no coming back from this if I don't get out oh, of no. this. Absolutely. Um, and now kind of getting into most memorable scenes, I had uh, mm-hmm. the killer's first kill scene, also the killer versus a brood, uh, the opening scene, the killer um, going to Dolores and kills Hodges, um, the killer meets the expert, and then finally the killer's last conversation with the client. Um, the killer versus the brute scene, uh, oh, was that intense. whole chase. Oh my goodness, bro. Yeah. Talk about yeah, a just, scene just, where just, I was just, like, this is peak. This is like a peak yeah. scene. That was the one. <laughs> the, 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 the whole camera like movement yes. of like how it was like, it was like they were moving faster and the camera was trying to catch up to them. Like you just kind of feel like, oh, like this is a really trippy scene. How they filmed that. That was an adrenaline uh, rush. Yeah. Okay. Just, just, uh, yeah, it was definitely kind of the, the highlight of that moment. Um, yeah, for me, like the scene when when it's revealed where he's holed up at in the fir- in the first part of the movie that he's holed up yeah. in an abandoned WeWorks building. So, so like if you if you you know for those who may be listening uh, who don't know what WeWorks is, so WeWorks is like a uh, an office rental company is basically what it is, right? So they they build up these offices and then people can rent them in order to to have workspace, all that kind of stuff, right? Well, in the last few years, um, the guy who started WeWork got into a lot of trouble because basically he was like, you know, burning through all this, like the the cash that the the company was earning. It's all, I mean, basically, there's there's a lot there's documentaries about it out there. Basically, the dude was like really shady, but like he was like just like really influential, kind of like happy go lucky person, kind of bring people in, really inspire them, and then it's like stab them in the back on the way, right? So the point where, like, you know, even though they're still, you know, they're still a functioning company, but like all of these like places that they kind of like built out and kind of like you know built up are like some of them are just kind of sitting empty now and abandoned. There's no work going there at all. So like whenever I saw that, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a funny tip. I think from David Fincher of like just kind of like a tip of like you know, towards like culture of like yes. you know there's something hollow and dead going on inside of here, and of course what's hollow and what's dying inside of this is the killer. So yeah, it is a piece of his life that is like being hollow. He's becoming like just a hollow individual with no sense of like life or anything like that. Right. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so that, that almost said something just like, kind of like, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a, Oh, that's, that's really funny that yeah. he would kind of like, you know, like show his hand with that. Um, but then, uh, but yeah, but yeah, but definitely the scene with the brute, uh, the moment with the expert was really like, really kind of solemn of like, you know, she is just trying to bid her time until he kills her. Right. And, uh, and even, even the reveal of like, she trips on the steps, like, can you help a woman out? And he just goes and takes her out and he he reveals, Oh, she was, she was ready to pull a knife out on him. 
So mm-hmm. again, just like not trusting anybody. Not trust anyone. Like he said, do not right. trust anybody. Don't veer from the plan. That's right. Yeah, don't divert from the plan. Empathy is your enemy, right? Um, even the scene with the uh, with the lawyer um, in New Orleans. I mean, it's really, really intense. And, um, and again, it's it's like it, it, this is kind of where I wish, like maybe if, if it's fleshed out a little more. And again, I never read the graphic novel for us, so I don't. I've never interacted with the character at all. But I wonder if if like, the graphic novel lends more credence, like understanding. Who this person is, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, because obviously every person that encounters him knows who he is. Uh, oh yeah. But there's a piece of it too. It's also like, man, like if they just like gave a little more detail. That's the this thing. It's just push it's missing it, detail. It might just push it over the edge just a little bit, right? Yeah. So close. Yeah. It, it was. It was. It was one of those movies that were just so close to like, mm-hmm. like me and Tavon always talk about the time about those movies that we give three stars, but they were just so close to like taking that next step, but. That detail, that thought, you know, and, and David Fincher obviously thinks out his movies, but I just think there were some aspects sure. of it that that weren't um, fleshed out as well. Um, and I'll get into most memorable quotes. I had uh, Paris Awakens, unlike any other city, slowly. Also, consider yourself lucky if our if our paths never cross. I am what I am. I'm just not. I'm not exceptional. I'm just a part. Also, I've come to realize that when the moment that it's time to act is not when risk is greatest. Obviously, um, also empathy is your enemy, as you've mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. To you, what were some of the quotes on here or, or involved in the movie that you kind of thought were, were some of the standouts? Um, yeah, I mean, th- th- this quote that stuck to me um, was of those who like to put their faith in the her- inherent goodness of mankind. I had to ask, based on what exactly? Right. I yes. Mean, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, that was just, such a good quote. Yeah. Just like, and, 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 and this is where, if there was one thing that probably like helped drive the movie forward. It was like it was just being into the thoughts of the killer himself, right? Of like what he's thinking, kind of what he's going through. It helps really kind of like move the the piece forward, right? And yeah, you know, he, you, know, he, you know, yeah. I think you just mentioned this, but like stick to your plan, anticipate, don't improvise, trust no one, never yield an advantage, fight only the battle you're paid to fight, right? Again, just stay inside of the kind of like the game that he's playing, right? He knows that if he goes outside of that then ultimately he can end up in a place where he ends up dead. And you saw that yes. with the brute, right? You know, just the, the – I mean, he anticipated the dog, but he, he did not anticipate the dog waking up, right? Yeah, now, that part was like, oh, my dude, When goodness. that dog came running through that door, I said, dear God, this is crazy. So, <laughs> but, but you know, anticipating that, hey, I'm probably going to have to, like, burn this house down, and which is what he did, right? So, you know, just staying in the game, trusting no one. Um, yeah, but uh, that that first line though about you know what proof do you have that, that there's goodness in you? Absolutely, especially um, coming from a guy who's like seen the worst of you. Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and and um, another thing I wanted to get to before for our next topic, we we seen we've seen so many different directors recently. Obviously, um, Martin Scorsese with The Irishman on Netflix. Um, now David Fincher with this movie on Netflix, and just kind of how the streaming, you know, watching movies has has changed. To you, what have been your thoughts on directors? Kind of like this could have been an in 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 person movie experience, but but Fincher decided to to put it on Netflix. Like, what have been your your thoughts on kind of directors deciding, hey, like let me put this one on streaming, let me just go to an in, in person movie experience. Like, like, how did you kind of feel about his decision to put this one on Netflix? You know, you have to wonder, like, you know, obviously the day and age where, like, again, 
movies just just go straight to streaming. You want to like, you want to go to the theater to see it, right? Which you know, I I think it varies. Like it, right. it depends on the film. Like if a I like the Irishman. I was Thanksgiving week. It was like right. the per- everybody was going to be at home. Yeah. Right. Right. I was happy to watch that at my house. Yeah. I don't know if I would have want to want to would have want to watch that in a theater. Go it's out. A long, <laughs> a long movie, bro. I got to deal with traffic after. Like, That's, nah, I'm got to rather right, be home. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I mean, even similar to like you know, like Killers of the Flower Moon. It's like I mean, listen, there's a piece of me that it really wants to watch, it, and I will watch it eventually. But it's like really good. Man, I don't know if I could commit to. Three hours in a movie theater, right? Just a long film experience. But what, what I really think what you're seeing though is that I think these streaming services may give them freedom they may not find from the studios, right? Even though Netflix is a studio in of itself, um, I think there's probably a freedom there that they don't have to like like barter or anything, anything like that maybe there's a freedom they feel to be able to do things that they want to do um i don't know I, I, honestly it, it, it depends on the film because I, I mean i think even like you know, the killer had like a limited theatrical run um but but truly i'm not like i'm not disappointed that i saw it in my house oh i don't know if i would spend I may have not been, we may have not even reviewed this if it had come out of the theater because I wouldn't have time to watch it. Like, honestly, the fact that it was, it it was at, at a home, yeah, space just was was good. And I think what it does too, also, like, it, it saves, like, directors from getting eggs on their faces, right? Because, you know, you don't, like, the the day and age we find ourselves in, like, you know, if you're, if your movie's going to theaters, it better make money. If it's not making money, nobody's going to, Nobody's going to sign on to do anything else with you again, right? Mm. Um, and, and even Matt Damon has spoken to this as well, too. Like, you know, films like like The Killer, like, you know, are unique in what they do because it's just a niche thing, right? It's not yeah. It's not going to be everybody's thing to watch. Um, and, and Netflix, you know, has given Fincher the chance to kind of, like, do that. Whereas, like, <coughs> excuse me, we're, maybe like, like a Warner Brothers would not do that or maybe like a universal may not do that. Right. Um, so, so I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's, I, for me, it just really depends. It comes down to the film itself of what it is. Um, like, I mean, yeah, yeah. You've heard like, I, I said like Christopher Nolan would, he would never, he would never oh, be in a place where, where his films would go straight to streaming. No, he's never, um, you know, Scorsese, you know, I, I mean, outside of the Irishman, right. It's never going straight to streaming. Um, and they it, value it, they value the in person experience exactly, right? too much. They're they're, they're, they're they're they really are the traditionalists. Like even a Quentin sure. Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino's last film, he, he's he's approaching his tenth film, which he said is his last one. It's not going to be on streaming. He's he wants mm-hmm. you to come out. That's just the way he that's the way he, he operates. So there's there's a certain sect of those guys that they're not doing that. Yeah, and, and I think too, like it's you know. And it's also part of the, the public's like making time to go see these movies. These kind of like, like not necessarily far out there, but just these different movies, right? Like yeah. we're you know we you know, we spent the better part of ten to fifteen years where all of our movie going experience was built around Marvel, right? Was built around mm-hmm. um, exactly. Star Wars. Was built around you know DC, whatever big like sci fi feature was coming out. That's what we went and saw in theaters, right? Yeah. Um, so 
and there's a piece of it too. It's like, hey, like you know, if you if you want to see good films like get into the make the big screen, then go support them when they come out as well. Don't just wait for it to do streaming. Um, like actually go get out and go see it. So. Definitely. Um, and I'll get into our next topic, kind of like what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, to me, the unpredictability of it, I thought it was a strong part, the, the wit in it. I think a lot of David Fincher, Fincher films are going to have wit. This one may, may have not had the same maximum amount of wit as other ones, but I still think it had elements of that um, placed into it. Uh, to you, kind of like what particular element of this storyline did you like the most? Yeah, I, I think you know, I agree with you. I think the unpredictable, the unpredictable nature of it, like it, like there was like honestly, I didn't know how this was going to end. Like even when he like showed Neither. up, at, <laughs> even when I showed up at he showed up at his house, I was like, I'm like okay, so because I mean, when he showed up at the house, I thought like it was like a safe, it was like a safe house, right? Yeah, oh, it's a place where I can come, I can kind of lay low. It's like, oh, he has a wife. I was like, okay. That's interesting, um, and then like, and then you, it, it goes from like, you know, doing jobs to like almost like a revenge tour. Like, let's, exactly. let's like, take out these guys who like hurt, hurt what's you know what's supposed to be sacred to me, right? So yeah, because I, I fully expected him to end up dead. Um, just that's what really, I was expecting too. I didn't think he just was gonna just you know, right, be in some tropical right. place, just having a cup of coffee. With <laughs> exactly. I was like, I didn't, I didn't expect that to be the ending. No, uh, <laughs> not not at all. So, <laughs> so but yeah, to 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 see that um, was like okay, well, yeah, that's cool. And again, it just kind of goes back to what we were saying, like just the way this film kind of like just like rushed through it and it's like kind of like yeah. came to like a I mean, landing the plane so quickly. Um, it, it, but, but the thing is, it was also like, I mean, even at that point, wasn't it over two hours? Like, when it ended, it's just like, I mean, do you want to add like another like 20 to 30 minutes of this film? I mean, it's. I it, would it, say it, the it, duration, the, the duration of it ended when it needs to end. Yeah. If this was, another like, thir- this was another 30 minutes, it would have been like, okay, this is getting like a little taxing. Yeah, it's, it's right, like, exactly. And I mean, this is, you know, I, I, I think I, I, I mentioned this about Kills on the Fly, I'm an Irishman. Like, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm all about. You know, artistic expression, right? Like people like spending whatever amount of time they want on a film, right? I mean, and before we jumped on this recording, you know, we're talking about Andre 3000 releasing yeah. a solo album, right? And it's, I think it's going to be 86 minutes long. I'm like, 86 minutes? Like, you want to you want to talk about the, you want to talk about your expectations for that album too? Because I mean, we might as well because like that's obviously a big a big moment. Yeah. Like, what what did you think about his just his artistic? Because I watched that GQ interview earlier today. Yeah. Like, he's obviously been just a le- part of a legendary group like Outkast. Everybody's been like, okay, can we have that, just that solo rap album? He goes into a different lane and yeah. it's going to be interesting to, to, to see how he just kind of puts it all the, all, all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for me, okay, um, for the sake of keeping the show on track, this is the, upper, the, under, the unpredictable nature of what we're going to get, right? Yeah. You don't like, expect it. it you know, you're right. I mean, you for the better part of 15 to 20 years, you know, Outkast dominated hip hop. It was so they were so ahead of their time. I mean, you, if you go back and listen to, you know, um, I mean, Speaker Box is fine, but the Love Below, like oh, you know, yes. kind of like his true solo album. That's kind I of mean, his solo album. If yeah, you it really look is. At it. <laughs> like it that's really the is. One. <laughs> um, it just really. Just, it was just so ahead of his time, man. The way he was like telling stories, the way he's kind of navigating through it. Like, 
like you, you go hear Hey Ya in the context of the album, it's like, oh, I get it. I get what he's trying to do here, right? So, and then he just disappears, man. Um, just kind of like, you know, goes into obscurity. And you know, I've heard interviews with him and with him and Rick Rubin in the past where he's talking about like, you know, fame just isn't for him. That that lifestyle of like chasing, you know, hip hop goat status, all that stuff is just not for him. Um, and there's, there's a piece of me that like as a as an individual, as a human, I look at that and say, "Good for you, man. Good yeah. for you that, that you would that you would put yourself ahead of like anything." that we want as fans. Right. And, and I think we that, can honestly, like we gotta be, we, we can be very selfish as fans. Like we can, be, sure. we can be we, like, I, and I, and I, like when I got that notification earlier in the week that he was dropping it, a solo album, I was like, man, this is a fluid album was not what I was wanting. <laughs> but when I, the more I thought about it, I was like, man, that's, that's, he's being true to himself. That's the, yeah. the true essence of who he is as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he is an artistic express. Like he's, he, he he's going to be, artistic in his expression of what he does and all that stuff. And I think we should just be happy with the fact that he's able to do it. You know, like, you know, how many stories have we seen with people who have a trajectory of like under 3000 and big boy, you know, where a group, you know, quote unquote breaks up, which I know outcast didn't break up. It's kind of like just took a long-term hiatus, right? Like where something like that happens. And then you look up and like that individual is dead. Right. You know, yeah drug overdose or suicide, whatever, whatever you think about, it, you could throw it. I mean, just the story of like rock and hip hop and everything that's happened to celebrities over the years. Um, you know, where like, for some reason they just get, they get trapped into the world and then they're gone. And then, you know, all these things that we long for, for them are no longer accessible to us. Right. So the fact that he's still here, the fact that he is like able to kind of like shun whatever that is, Right, the, the, yes. the beast of notoriety and the beast of like, hey, you know, um, of like, like he was even like, a, he more. Was, right? Yeah, he give was even more. like saying, saying to his manager, like, he's like, do I even? A couple weeks before this, for this album drop, he was like, do I even, um, do I even want to go out again? Do I, do I want to do press? Do I want to do all these things? He's like, I at least owe an explanation for what, why I'm doing what I'm doing for this album. It, yeah. Like, just. He could have just dropped. He, he could have just you know dropped at midnight, no interview, no nothing, just been, been Andre. But he was like, you know, I'm gonna say at least give you a 30 minute segment of what I'm at, why I actually did what I did. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, man, you know, nostalgia nostalgia is such a powerful drug, right? It is. Because because nostalgia makes you comfortable. It makes you like feel at home. Like you don't have to like go outside of your comfort zone in order to kind of experience nostalgia, right? You can just sit. Especially with like with these things now, you can just yeah. kind of pull it up, like pull up whatever you want, man. If I want to listen to something from nineteen ninety three, I can do, do it, it. <laughs> at, at one click, right? Yeah. But to put on something from two thousand and twenty three is like a challenge to yourself, right? To be like, oh, I'm going to move beyond what is comfortable to really kind of let the work stand for itself. I for, so, so that's happened to me, right? Like one of my favorite artists is John Mayer, and you know he, his his quintessential album is Continuum. Came out oh six, won Grammys. I mean, just phenomenal album, right? And I feel like every album after that has not even touched what can't hit, can't hit that what, mark. Yeah, can't, he, hit, that he mark. can't hit that mark, right? However, years later, like I mean, there's like one album in particular called Born and Raised. 
which is where he kind of went to this like Western kind of country sound, right? You know, I remember when I first heard, I was like, God, why, why, man? Why are you doing this, right? <laughs> Ten years later is one of my favorite albums I've ever listened to, right? So sometimes you just gotta let the music stand. Gotta let, let the age. art stand. Music, you gotta let music like, age. You gotta let it age. Which you know, if we bring it back to the killer. Yeah, man. Who knows? Like you know, I mean, I, 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 I ten years earlier. from now, that, that's the thing we always say. Like in, to get into our last topic, ten years from now, do we still think it'll be, it'll be watchable and intriguing? I, I don't, I don't know how watchable it'll be, but I do think people are gonna say, "Man, like let me at least give it another shot." Yeah. Give it, give it another shot. It is one of those movies where you can do that. Yeah, I, I, and I, listen. There's going to be a segment of like movie watching base who's going to be like, "That was one of my favorite movies of the year," and and, and they're free to feel that. Like I said, I have I was seen, listening to a podcast. I was listening to a podcast earlier before the show, and they said, "Hey," essentially what they were saying was, "I don't think it's going to be. It's not the best, but it's my personal favorite because of the yeah. adrenaline. They love like adrenaline, adrenaline rush movies, and it does that for you. If that's your style, if that's your bag, you're going to love this. This is going to be like." A classic to you in, in, in terms of in terms of uh, uh, in terms of what you might look for, but you and you and me, we know like what David Fincher does and what and sure. what he delivers, and it's just like we're going into it, even though we didn't want to, we were going into it with certain expectations, and it just mm-hmm. it, it didn't it didn't quite quite deliver. Yeah, like I say it, it, at the end of the day, man, there, there are there are worse movies out there that we could have watched this year. Oh, yeah. so far, and the, 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 I'm not mad at this. I, I, I was like, I, I turned it off. I looked at my, I looked at you know our our roommate who lives with us. And I'm like, cool, it was fine. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. mad at it. I mean, yeah. like I said, it, again, it has like the Fincher elements that you want. But yeah, I mean, you know, ten years from now, or maybe even like six months from now, I'd be like, well, that was cool. We just keep on finding the next thing, right? So it, it'll probably fall to the depths of the Netflix catalog. And that's, just <laughs> that, that, and, and before we get to our, to our bonus question, it, it's so funny because like I remember back in 2014 when Interstellar dropped, and mm-hmm. I saw it. Um, uh, went to go see it with my family. Uh, uh, Tyler was there, Melina was there, and it was like it was one of those experiences where people were like, oh, "I don't really know how I feel about it." Almost every week, I hear somebody say, "Man, I love Interstellar. I got to go rewatch yeah. it." It's just it just yeah. it aged well. It aged yeah. well, even though it's a long movie. Some of these movies, like we're talking about, they just, they you don't know how they're going to age. You have to give it time. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, to, to, even before you get to this, this this last question, like you know, where does because because I, I have my idea about it, I want to share it with you, but where does Michael Fassbender kind of like fall for you as like with like actors and all that kind of stuff? I might have a hot take about him, but I'll let you go first. I, I think Michael Fassbender, he's because I always have this 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 ranking up guys who are like, okay, yeah, this is this is the A list guys. These are kind of like the lower tier. He's in that like middle middle tier for me in terms of like he he, he has that catalog where he he's he's had impressive roles, some that are kind of like subpar middle tier. To me, he's in that like B. If, if I had to rank him, I'd put him in that B list category. That, yeah. That's that's where I would put him overall. I, I feel the same way. Like I feel like there's a lot, like a lot of films that like, I remember. Like, I, I, it's over the years. Like I feel there's like films I've seen that he's in. And it's like, oh, that's that's intriguing. And then like I go, I go to like like look up like reviews or whatever, and it's like, oh, the movie stunk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, exactly. It's like, it's like oh, okay, I guess we're gonna watch that, right? 
Um, right. so, it's, it's, uh, so, you know, I, I told a friend of mine, I said, I, I was like, I feel like I want him to be better than what he is. And he's just not right. Um, but I'm open to that. Like, you know, I'm open to that, you know, that, that idea of being changed. Like, yeah, listen, I want, I want to be able to like, like and appreciate his work. But you know, from what I've seen, there's been nothing that's been like, Oh, like I want to watch everything he's in. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I just think there are much more compelling actors out there who could do roles like this. Who I'd be like, yeah, that that would be, yeah, that person would have been amazing in this. Like, because I even saw Fincher said that he considered Brad Pitt for this. I was like, oh, no, Brad would have been too bright for this film. Like, I think I think Fassbender was right for this role. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how I would have felt about Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. I. I, I, I <laughs> I need, I, think, I need a yeah. dark. I need like a yes. dark type of brooding personality right. in this. Right, but, that's not like Jared Leto, right? Like, yeah. I, don't want, I don't want somebody in there who's going to like take it so seriously that it ends up being bad. Okay, um, but yeah. but he but he embodied it in a way. It's like, okay, yeah, that was you know of, of what I have seen him in. That was my mm-hmm. favorite role he's been in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and I'll get into our, to our bonus question. We always do this with, with directors that we love, kind of just like, you know, mm-hmm. ranking what, what we like um, from what they've done in the past and, and, and kind of getting to like our favorite, you know, your favorite David, David Fincher movie ever. Um, to me, I'm, I'm still going to personally go with seven because to me, that is the peak of what I don't I don't really know what can top it. Um, obviously, Fight Club is rewatchable. It's fun. It's, it, it's thrilling. Yeah. It has always part. And that's a great movie as well. But to me, Seven is just like, that has the balance of mystery, of edge of your seat, of, of thriller, yes. of great dialogue, of, of, you know, of those, you know, penetrating, like, thought-provoking questions that, that are, I mean, obviously, like, you know, the what's in the box at the end, like, that, 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 that's so mm-hmm. iconic. But to you, what would you kind of say is your favorite, favorite David Fincher movie ever? Um, so I'm actually looking through the catalog right now. Um, I mean, dude, he, <laughs> he's got an extensive catalog. <laughs> it's like a library. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is because, because I mean, I, I mean, you forget about house of cards, oh, you know, yes. like he, he, he directed some episodes and he was an executive producer for house of cards. Like I said, I also mentioned earlier, like Mindhunter. Um, I, I, I never, I never got to see gone girl, but I've heard good things about it. Um, I haven't seen that one either. That's another yeah, one I got to watch. Did he do the girl uh, with the drag? The girl with the dragon tattoo. Yep, that was him. Yep, gotcha. That's gotcha. him. Um, of course, I said the curious gets Benjamin Button, Zodiac, uh, Panic Room. Of course, he had Fight Club. That was his. Oh, yeah. uh, the game. So, so uh, um, not to be like contrarian to this, but I'm going to go with the Social Network. So that's I think, a great pick. That's I a think, great okay, pick. Here's it. Seven is a superior film, but yes. to just appreciate his work and the range that he does have, like the Social Network is a crazy film, man. Oh, it's, like it's insane. Like <laughs> prob- probably, you know, probably Andrew Garfield's best role, best thing he's ever done. Probably the best thing Jesse Eisenberg's ever done. Right? Just the way they like, yeah. Again. The way it's shot, the dialogue, everything about that movie was just really, really well done. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I really appreciated that film. Whenever I, I, I think I watched it for the first time, like about, about a year ago. I watched it for the first time. I was like, 
man, I, I hate that I waited so long to watch this film, right? Oh, wow. But, so last year, last year was the first time you saw it. Yeah, yeah. I, wow. I, waited, I, I waited way too long to watch that film. <laughs> Um, Man. But, but, but but it was like you know I was coming to my own as far as like appreciating Fincher's work and I was like oh I definitely need to check this out because you know yeah. it's on the list right so but but dude seven like um I mean w- w- what a cast uh Pitt Freeman Spacey I mean just I will say this yeah, uh, some, at, at some point because like it's so funny like at some point next year we gotta do this because like um Savon didn't see the movie he, he didn't when we reviewed it he didn't see the movie so i was i was like leading it up leading him along saying like the, these hypothetical questions but he said he's gonna rewatch it that's a movie i definitely want to do another review on because man like mm. it's just one of those just like just timeless timeless classics man it never gets old for me there's certain movies i go back to i'm like yo this doesn't get old like the fugitive was on the other day i'm like mm. this get old. you know what mm-hmm. i mean just certain certain movies i'm just like it just doesn't that's get a old. classic <laughs> like come on. that's a classic <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't kill my wife. Yeah, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, baby! Oh yeah. man, Hello. Well, Trent, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on as always, and, and just thank, uh, thank you so much for your insights and just everything you, uh, you, you bring when you come on these on these episodes. And next time, Savon, I promise you, next time, Savon will not evade. He will not. I know this happens a lot. He will not evade. I promise you. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> All you listening out there, we know Savon was just ducking because Florida lost to LSU last year. Yeah, That's come on. We know. We know. He's ducking we, we know, we know, what, we know he's ducking it on here. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's always a pleasure, man. Grateful to do it. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns. This has been Full Scope. See you later.